Man, today is the day we celebrate the most majestic, glorious, beautiful, and if we're being really honest, outlandish stories in the history of humanity. There was a dude named Jesus who was actually God in the flesh who died on a cross and three days later, surprise, springs out of the grave. It's a story that I am certain the vast majority of you have heard before. How many of you, this is not your first Easter service to go to? Go ahead and raise your hand. All right, there's about four of you lying in here because you didn't raise your hand. The rest of you, you, you've been here. There may be a, a few of you that this is your first ever Easter service to attend in person. By the way, praise God, I'm so glad you're here with us. It is such a privilege to have you if this is your first time. But if you are one of those who grew up going to Easter every single year, the story I'm about to tell you, you have heard, you have heard so many times, you could just go ahead and tell it. You could walk up here on the stage and reiterate this story. But we need to read it again. We're going to be in John chapter 20. I want you to open your Bibles to John 20. And, and I want to ask you to do something that maybe you've never done before. I want to ask you to read the story with me like it's the first time you've ever heard it. In fact, I want you to read it as if you don't believe in it. For some of you, that's going to be easier than others. There, there are some of you, you're like, wow, it's easy for me to believe, not believe in it because I, I don't. And there are a few. But in, in this kind of room, the majority of you would say, yeah, no, I believe this message to be true. And because you believe in it, you've read it with the same kind of mindset. It doesn't sound outlandish to you because you don't remember a time you didn't believe in this story. But I want you to read it with different eyes, not because I want to make you not believe, because I, it's because I want to make you believe more deeply in what this message is about. So just imagine you're a person who doesn't believe this to be true. I want you to listen to how bizarre the story really is. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Okay, now we're going to stop right here for a moment. We're going to keep on reading, but let me just go ahead and tell you, a lot of crazy has already happened. So in this moment, these people all saw Jesus crucified. They saw him breathe his last. They saw a spear in his side, water and blood gushing out. They saw his body lay lifeless down. They put it in a tomb. They saw the, the stole roamed over. They know he's dead, and they have no clue why the stone is gone, and they can't find his body. The story just gets weirder. Verse 11, keep on going. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she stooped in to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. 
So now she goes in, Mary Magdalene, confused what's going on, sees two glowing angels in there, and she's going, what's going on? I don't know who these people are. Where's Jesus? Turns around. There's Jesus, the guy she's been with for the last three years, and she doesn't recognize him. And she thinks this is a gardener. And Jesus finally talks. And the moment all he says is one word, boom, her eyes can see. It's Jesus. And it gets even weirder, weirder as the story goes on. Verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they will be forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Okay, we're going to pause here. Stop and think about how outlandish and far-fetched this story is so far. It just says that the door was locked and Jesus and a physical body just walks right through the door. This is crazy talk. But they're able to touch him because he's a physical being. He's able to eat. Nobody knows what's going on. Everybody's freaking out. In fact, if you were to read the story in the Gospel of Luke, it says that when Mary Magdalene went to the disciples and told them what, what had happened and what the angels had said, it says that they thought it was an idle tale and they did not believe her. It was just too impossible for them to believe. The people who'd been with Jesus, walking with him for three years, whom he had said over and over, I'm going to die, be buried, and I'm going to rise again, they just wouldn't believe it. It was just too outlandish of a story. Listen, there's a reason why people who are not Christians look at this story and think we're crazy for believing in it. Because it is a crazy story to believe in. Even the own, the, Jesus' own disciples struggle with it. In fact, the, the chief struggler of it all was poor little Thomas. We, we learn a lot from Thomas. If we keep reading in the passage of Scripture, listen to this war that Thomas is having. Verse 24, now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Let me tell you about that last statement when it says, I will never believe. In Greek, it literally says, I will not not believe. It's the most emphatic way to say no. It means there is no way on God's big old beautiful green earth I am ever going to believe what you're telling me. One of his own disciples said, you are not going to convince me. He is not risen from the dead. That's just too crazy and all y'all people gone crazy. This isn't true. I want you to see what happens next because I want you to hear the rebuke of Jesus as he talks to Thomas, Thomas, because we can learn a lot from this rebuke. We're going to finish up right here. Verse 26. Eight days later, later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That was a rebuke Jesus just gave Thomas. Thomas goes, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, oh, well, convenient now you believe in me. What about that whole not, not, ever going to believe in me thing you just said? And the only reason you believe in me, Thomas, is because you can touch my hands. You can see me. You can feel me. That's not faith. No, blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. Let me tell you why that statement matters. 
Every one of us in this room, every one of you watching online, we fall into one category. Those who will not see the resurrected body of Jesus Christ this side of heaven. None of us are going to get to put our hand in his hands or on his feet and feel the nail holes. None of us are going to get to touch his side where the spear went in so that water and blood came out. None of us are going to be able to eat a meal with him, watch him walk through it. We're not going to have that capacity to see him. So if we are going to believe, it is going to be with eyes of faith, not with physical eyes. Now let me tell you why that matters. It means there's no middle ground. We either believe by faith that Jesus resurrected from the dead, or we do not believe. He said, do not disbelieve, but believe. Every one of us have a choice to make, disbelieve or believe. Let me go ahead and tell you, if you're being honest with yourself, and not just let this be a routine message you've heard your whole life, it is so hard to believe in this crazy story. It's so hard for people, especially those who, who've got an education, who kind of understand things now, to believe this to be true, because we look back at those people who wrote this book and we think they're archaic. I mean, you, you go out in any kind of place, go to college campuses, go to the intellectuals, and hear their talk about this story. And you know what they're going to tell you? The, the reason they believe that kind of stuff is because they were so superstitious back then. They saw God in everything. I mean, there was a thunderstorm, and they go, oh, the gods are angry. And they didn't know about high-pressure systems and low-pressure systems and how science actually works. It's not the gods being angry. It's called weather, people. And they look at those archaic people, and they were just uneducated. They were ignorant. They didn't know any better. But we should know better. Nowadays, people look at lightning bolts that come down to tornadoes, and it's a judgment of God. And the scientists are going, it's, it's what happens when molecules rub together, and they're static, and it builds up a charge, and it comes down to earth. It's not God throwing lightning bolts. It's science, people. Back then, somebody would die, and they would go, the curse of God upon that person. And now they're going, it's called a virus. Called bacteria. People die because they get sick. Well, they didn't know about cancer. Now we know about it. Would you stop being so superstitious? Welcome to the modern world. We didn't believe. They, they thought that to be true back then, but we are so much smarter now. And they look at the story of the resurrection. They're going, look, this is a bunch of people just trying to make sense of all the crazy that had happened. It's a good story. Jesus was a good teacher, but let's take out all this archaic, superstitious stuff and just let Jesus be Jesus. And to that, Jesus is saying, you're either going to believe or you're not going to believe. There is no in-between. The word of the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus is something incredibly difficult to believe. In fact, the Apostle Paul told us 2,000 years ago that everybody would think it would be foolish at some point. I want you to flip over to the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're going to spend most of our time, the rest of our time, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Incredibly simple verse, just one verse that I want you to wrestle with. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The word of the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, God in the flesh, is folly. It is foolishness to those who don't have eyes of faith, to those who are perishing. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. If you look at the Christian message without faith, you will see absolutely nothing. You will look at it and it won't make any sense and it will seem like only fools would believe in it because the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. The Apostle Paul told us the world would look at it and see foolishness. But here's what I want to suggest to you today. 
The problem isn't with the message of the cross. The problem is with the eyes of the person looking at that message. It's there, they just can't see it. In fact, I, I want to help you understand that. We're going we're to do something. So everybody who's sitting on this side of a row of aisles, of the aisle, there's these little booklets under your seat. So all of you over here, all of you over here, on your left, my right, on, over there. I want you to pick up that packet. I want you to pass it down your row so that everybody has one of these packets. Have you ever heard of something called a stereogram before? Raise your hand if you've heard of a stereogram. Okay, very few of you have. You've seen one before. You just don't know what it's called. It's that image that you look at it and it looks like nothing, but if you cross your eyes, a 3D image pops out. You know what I'm talking about? This book is filled with five stereograms that we're going to do. Now, now, Max, stop it, buddy. Stop it. Don't cheat. Now, I don't want you looking at it yet. My own son is a cheater pants over here. Don't look at it. Don't be cheating because we're going to do a little game. We have video cameras all over this room looking to see if you're cheating or not right now. Don't do it. Now, when you have a booklet, raise it up so I can see that you have a booklet. Okay, the majority of you. All right. Now, lower. Now, if you don't yet have a booklet, raise your hand. We have a few extras. We need some down here. Now, we're going to be passing them out. Marvin's coming over there. We have a few that we're passing out. Just keep your hand up until we get you a booklet. Now, this right here is going to help us understand what I'm talking about. Now, I want you to turn to the first page. Looks like this. If you're watching online, I'm sorry, we don't have the booklet over here, but just track along with me. This, this page right here is a stereogram. Hey, here's how we're going to do this. I want you to look at it. You've got to cross your eyes to see it. And when the image pops out, I want somebody just to blurt out what they see. Just say it loud. A, a dinosaur. Okay. Some of you see it. Now, here's a bigger question. What kind of dinosaur? A brontosaurus. I don't know which kind. Brachiosaurus. Brontosaurus. Yeah, one of those. All right, now, now, now hang with me here. How many of you can see the dinosaur? Raise your hand. Be honest. We're in church. All right, hands down. How many of you, be honest, you, you don't see jack squat? Raise your hand. Yeah, okay, that's the majority of you. All right, you can have some more time in a moment. We'll keep looking, but let, let's flip over to the next page. There's a green thing on top. Okay, now somebody just blurred out. What do you see when you look at it? A what? I, I, all I hear is somebody just clear. A rat? No, I ain't a rat. It's a fish, people, a fish. I know you're looking at it going, there ain't no fish in there, I promise you. I don't know what kind of fish is in there, but there's a fish in there. How many of you can see the fish? Raise your hand. Oh, a little fewer. Okay, I'm not going to make you embarrass yourself and raise your hand, you can't see it. Let's move down to the red picture down below. Give me a couple seconds so you can look at it. Somebody blurted out, what is it? A heart. Oh, Josh, way to go, he got it. Right here. There's no bonus, but you got it, Josh. Way to be. A heart. How many of you can see the heart? Raise your hand. Okay, a few more can see the heart. All right, we're going to move on. The blue image. Take a moment. Look at it. Take a moment. And then somebody blurt out. What is it? Airplane. All right. But what direction is it flying? Yeah, down and to the left. That's right. Okay. Good job. Some of you are going, there ain't no airplane over there. Just hang with us. How many of you can see the airplane? Oh, pretty good amount. All right, last one. People out. Now, I know some of you are getting really upset with me right now. Hang with me. There's a reason for this. Okay, yellow picture. Somebody blurt out. What is it? A train. Yeah, what part of the train is it? This, the engine. Yeah, the locomotive. It's the front part of the train. All right, be honest with me. How many of you can see the train? All right, that's not many. 
Okay, hands down. Now, I want, you to, I want you to tell me, how many of you can see at least one of them? Just one of them you can see. Okay, a pretty good amount. Here's the moment of truth. How many of you try as hard as you can? You can't see anything in all five of them. <laughs> yep, yep. Now, if you just raised your hand at the last bit right there, here's what I know. You don't like me right now. Because <laughs> you feel like all I did was bring you here to insult you and your intelligence. And amen, she said over there. That's right. Here's what I know. I know that you've looked at these images and you're starting to feel like right now I'm lying to you. Like you're going, this is one big old trick. Jason would do this kind of thing where he'd put a book and he'd set some people up to raise their hand and say something, but there's nothing, there's nothing really there. This is all a big ploy. They're all against me. Satan's in this place. I mean, you've got all these thoughts coming to your mind right now. And let me go ahead and tell you right now, I promise you there are five images in this book. It is a dinosaur. You keep on moving. It is a, a fish. It is a heart. It is a plane. It is a locomotive. It, it is everything that I'm talking to you about. The problem is not with the image. The problem is with the person looking at the image. And you're going, I'm out of here, man. You just insulted me. <laughs> there, there's a reason why I want you to see this. Go ahead and put the booklet down. You'll have a chance. I'll come back to it in just a moment. Here's why I want you to understand this. This is very pertinent when it comes to the message of the gospel. The problem is not with the message of the gospel. The reason why people don't believe in the message of the gospel isn't because there's something wrong with the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The problem is with the eyes of the person looking at the message of the gospel. It's there, they just can't see it. They just need a little help to see what's really there. Listen, it's true for this booklet too. I want to prove to you, to at least a few of you, that there is a means by which you could see this. We're going to practice the first one right over here. I want you to pull it back out. I'm going to give you three tips to be able to see this, and I'm hoping to make some believers over here before this, this time is over. So tip number one, if to see this image, is you put it really close to your face, where it's, not, where it's not in focus. So just put it really close to your face, and it's not focused. Now leave your eyes unfocused. Don't focus them in, and begin to pull it out and leave it unfocused. And if you get far enough, an image can pop out. Okay? Now, now that's some of you getting excited over here. But some of you going, I still don't see anything, Jason. Don't be lying to me. All right. Now, you can kind of play a little tr a trombone with it, you know, back and forth. Step number two to help you out will be to keep it in front of you, but focus in on a head like three rows in front of you. Let that be clear. And then let this be in front of you with it not being clear. And move it around a little bit. And see if that helps you. Step number three. This is the most important one right here. Okay, you have to do something with me. Put your fingers in front of you about this far apart and look at them. If you look clearly at them, there's just two of them. But if you look about 10 feet in front of you, about three rows in front of you, you focus on them, then the image will begin to merge together and it'll look like you have three fingers. They join together. What you're doing is you're letting your eyes relax. You're crossing the vision. And that's what's going on. So in this little booklet right here, you'll notice there's a reoccurring pattern. To see it, you have to let these patterns merge together like your fingers did. And when you do that, that's when the image pops out. So, so try that for a moment. Try to let your eyes relax together. Move it back and forth. Let it be unclear. Focus beyond it. And see if an image pops out. Give you a couple seconds. Play that trombone. Okay, with a little bit of time, I'm just curious. 
With that help, did any of you see an image for the first time? Raise your hand. Oh, we have some believers. Praise the Lord. Jared, did you see it? Yes. All week long, I've been trying to get Jared to see it. And it took Easter Sunday for the miracle to happen. Praise God. He's a believer now. Love it. We're going to baptize him later. Praise the Lord. Okay, here's, here's what I want you to hear. I know there's still some of you, you can't see it. Don't worry. Take it home. Pray over it. Cast out the demon in it. And you'll get to see it later on. Just keep trying. But here's my point. It took you help to see what you could not see on your own. Go ahead and put the booklets down for me. You, you won't hear what I'm going to say if you keep looking. I promise you it's yours to keep forevermore. Put it by your bedside every night. You can pray and ask to get on your knees. you got plenty of time, but not right now. I, give me, I want you to give me your attention. The image was there the whole time. You just needed some instruction. You needed help to see what your normal eyes couldn't see. Here's why this matters. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is right there in front of you. You just may need some help to see it because you can't see it with your physical eyes. Let me go ahead and tell you about my story, my testimony. I believe I am called by God with one primary life calling. It is to help people see what they cannot see with their physical eyes. That's the very calling God has put upon my life, and I do it primarily through this one little simple thing called preaching. My job as a preacher is to help you see with spiritual eyes what you cannot see with your physical eyes. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul told us that God had designed it to be like. I want you to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want you to move down to verse 21. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. He said, For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. The foolishness and folly of what we preach to save those who will finally believe in the truth of the gospel message. He really did die, was put in a tomb, and rose three days later. That the story has meaning. It might look like chaos from the outside, but there's something beautiful inside of it if you just learn how to look at it. And what I want to do to you this morning is help you see what your physical eyes can't see. It's a lot like that stereogram. There are really just three simple steps that you need to take for you to come into focus what you can't see with your physical eyes. Three things have to become clear. You have to look at yourself correctly, you have to look at the Father correctly, and you have to look at the Son correctly. When those three things come into focus, all of a sudden an image will pop out and you'll realize there's something to this Christian message. First thing, I want you to look at yourself correctly. Let me tell you who you are. I know this not because I know all of you, because I know God's Word says it. You are an extreme in your, in your life. You have two poles inside you that are constantly in tension. The first pole is that you are beautifully and wonderfully made. You bear the very image of Almighty God. And it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter what country you're from. If you're rich or poor, male or female, young or old, it doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is. It doesn't matter where you've been, how you felt, how you've been successful. None of that matters. You bear the very image of an almighty God. That's who you are. And everywhere you walk around, you bear the fingerprint of God on you. But let me go ahead and tell you the other side of that poll. You have also severely marred the image of Almighty God inside you because you have sinned and rebelled against the very God who created you. That God has said, here's the pathway to life, and you said, no, nah, i got a better way. I'm going my way. And we, like the very people who have crucified Jesus, spat in his face and said, we know better. We want to rule this life you don't get to. And we walk around marring the very image of God because they look at God through us and they see people who hate 
They see people who are angry and frustrated and cruel and stingy and unkind. And they don't believe in our God because we've marred the very image of the God we were created to represent. That's who we are. Built to bear his image and we failed at doing it. You have to come into focus. But then we have to know who the Father is. That has to come into focus. There are two poles in the Father as well. There's one pole over here where he is holy and righteous and just. And when he sees sin, he has to turn away from it. He has to condemn it. Wrath has to come. That's who our God is. But the problem is if we only hold this pole, then we get afraid of God. Well, he's going to smite us. i got to get away from him because I know I'm broken and sinful, and he must be angry with me. But that's only if you don't understand the other side of our Father. He is merciful and gracious and kind and loving. God is love. In fact, there's so much love that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He's a God who wants to be known through his love. And you have to know who our God is on both sides. Fear his majesty, trust in his love. But that also brings us to the last part. You have to clearly see who Jesus is. And let me tell you who Jesus is. He is a real man who is really God in the flesh, who died on a real cross and rose from a real grave and can bring you real salvation. That's who Jesus is. And all that brokenness inside you can be healed when you believe. All you have to do is believe in who you are, who the Father is, and who Jesus is, and to say, I declare it to be true for me. But let me tell you about faith, about belief. It is not something that you can just feel inside you and be okay. Faith always requires action. Faith is a step that you take, not just a thought that you have. And I believe there are some of you who are here this morning, Easter Sunday, and God is going to ask you to take the hardest faith step of your life, to place your entire existence on Almighty God, and to be willing in a moment to come down front and stand with me and to say, I'm ready to declare my faith in Jesus Christ. We have a baptistry up here on the stage for a reason. I believe there are some of you who today are going to need to come down front and say, I'm ready to declare my faith in Jesus. It's become clear to me. I'm tired of being broken. I'm tired of wasting my life away. I now realize it's because of my own sin. But if Jesus can save me, I want him. I need him. Let me remind you what 1 Corinthians 1.18 said. The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the very power of God. And some of you need the power of God. You need him to restore your heart You need him to drive away that anxiety, to restore your marriage, to restore your health, to show you his power. But it only comes with faith. It is the power of God to those who believe. Today has to be the day of belief. And belief requires a step. Listen, I know there are some of you in here and you're going, man, I feel weird right now, Jason. I don't know what's going on. I don't fully understand it. Let me go ahead and tell you the way faith works. Oftentimes it starts with a feeling before your mind fully understands it. There's this tingly, weird feeling you get, like right now there's a spotlight, and like I, I, I'm, I'm after you. Listen, it's not me. That's the Spirit of God. He's calling for you. He's dragging you in because he knows until you come in faith, you will never find life. You'll never find power. All that's left for you is to give up. In a moment, I'm going to invite you forward. But let me go ahead and tell you, I'm going to be down here by myself seeing if anybody else needs to come down with me. And every bit of you is going to scream, ain't no way I'm going down there. 
There are over a thousand people in this room. They're all going to be staring at me. I'm not going down there. You're going to feel like a fool. I'm going to be honest with you. You're going to look like a fool. I'm going to look weak if I come down here. You're right. You will look weak if you come down here. I'm going to look like there's something wrong with me if I come down there. You're right. It's going to look like there's something wrong with you if you come down here. But let me go ahead and tell you one last truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. I want to finish with this one verse. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Can I go ahead and just be really, really honest with you? There must come a moment in your life where you raise your hand and say, I'm ready to be a fool. I'm ready to be weak. If this is what it takes to get the power of Almighty God, then I'm willing to go. And I know my feet feel like cement blocks. Every week I have people who come in, who come down front and they say, it's been so hard, I've been suffering for weeks trying to come down and I can't do it. It's because there's a moment you have to say, I choose to be weak, and in my weakness I'm coming forward. I don't have to have it all figured out. I choose to believe by faith. I choose to be a fool, and if being a fool is how I discover the wisdom of God, I'll do it. If being weak is how I discover the strength of God, I'll do it. Let me go ahead and warn you. There are some of you who are going to fight, and you're going to wait, and you're going to say, maybe next week, maybe next week, maybe next week. Let me go ahead and tell you how this is going to work out. I see it all the time. People will come up. They'll, they'll finally come down on a Sunday morning, and they'll say, Jason, three weeks ago, I knew the Lord was telling me to come down, and I just kept fighting, and he just kept beating me and beating me and beating me until finally I'm broken. Now here I am, ready to express my faith in Christ. Can, can I please beg you? Don't make him beat you week after week after week just to get you to obey him. He wants to give you life. He's going to win. He never fails. You might as well let him win right here, right now on Easter Sunday. And let him take over your life. But that victory comes with a step of faith. I'm going to take my step of faith. I'm about to walk down here in front of all these people. I'm going to invite you all to stand up right now. In a moment, we're going to sing a song, Oh, Come to the Altar. But you don't have to wait for the song to start. I'm inviting you to come down here with me and come stand. Let me tell you what's going to happen. We're going to see if the Lord brings anybody. And if anybody comes, then we'll usher them out and we'll have a chance to, for them to be counseled. Some of our counselors are heading out right now to get ready for you. And if you're ready today, you're going to be able to put on a T-shirt that says, Jesus in my place. We have a pair of shorts for you to put on. We have a bag to put all your stuff. We're going to keep it safe. And you're going to walk up here and you're going to have a chance in front of witnesses to testify to the foolishness of the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which you believe in. And we're going to be down here ready to meet with you. I'm coming. If you're ready today, today's the day. You come meet me. I'm ready for you.